The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 6, Revolutions. Brothers in Blood, Part 2, written by Dennis Lee and Mercedes Lackey. Vicky's hand was burning. The pain jolted her out of a blissfully dreamless sleep, and for a moment she could not imagine what the hell was going on. She sat bolt upright and looked dumbfounded at her hand. She unclenched it from around what felt like a red-hot coal and stared down. At the bit of Red's claw that was lying in her open hand. Jesus. She recognized the magical tether. Emotional links did that, whether you liked it or not. Magic worked that way. Anything bad that happened to him was going to trigger some sort of alert to her, like this extremely primitive, extremely old sort of magic that caused direct pain to her if she was touching anything of his when he was in danger. Hell, she would probably just know he was in trouble from now on. No point denying it now. I've got it bad for this jerk and it's not going to go away by willing it to. Computer, command. Open Overwatch voice command she said aloud, shaking her head to clear it. She heard the little double beep on her embedded headset, then lurched out of bed. Command. Open Overwatch Calm. Command. Open Calm. Red. Genie. She barreled through the door into the living room and bumbled through the one that led into the Overwatch room. Red! Genie! Acknowledge! No answer. She fell into her chair and brought up the screens, typing in the command to Overwatch to locate Red on the map destruction corridor. The hell? What was he doing in that old factory in East Atlanta? Okay, time to do something he kinda gave me permission for. She used her pad to sketch in a glyph and punched enter. That brought up the external mic on his side, overriding the fact that he had turned it off. Now she could hear what was going on. She brought up his vitals. Crap, vitals not good, heart racing, breathing labored... No way I can fly a spy ball across town in any kind of time. And this was way outside of where she had a pre-prepared magical landing pad. Absolutely zero chance of there being ATMs or security cams she could hijack. Was he wearing his eye? She drew a different glyph and punched enter. Nada. Whatever he'd been doing, he'd left the eye at home. Crap. Okay. Red. Red, please, Red, make any kind of sound if you can hear me. Should I try boosting the sound at the other end? The earpiece is buried under his skin. Okay, breathe. Wait, boost the mic gain first. She keyed up a sound recognition voice recognition program. She might get some clues out of that, even if the genie was unconscious. Damn it, Red Genie. Why can't anything ever be easy around you? You will tell them this, and they will come. Now. Tell them their lives depend on it, because they do. Red shook himself out of the fog, and as his eyes opened a crack, he saw he was back inside the crumbling remains of the abandoned factory. He stared, puzzled, as one of the Kriegers saluted smartly to Pike and backed away. The boy shook his head and strolled over to Red. You're awake. Pike said, grinning. Very good, Red Genie. I am 
so pleased. For a moment, I was worried that my little toy had steered you with a touch too much current. I thought I would have to entertain myself while these dumb coughs strive to stay on schedule. Our transport, it seems, is running late. But no matter. This will give us a chance to chat, you and I. You notice I say chat and not get better acquainted, since I must say I feel I know you quite well already. Red gave Pike a wary look as he motioned to rise, but stopped as he heard the shackles clink from his hands and feet. He looked down at them. They lacked any obvious locking mechanism, but he could feel a subtle electrical hum emanating from them. Yes, Pike nodded. I am aware of your skills, Seth Think. You will not find these locks so susceptible to picking. He bent down and switched off the echo communicator around Red's ear. There. And now we are free to speak, without any unwanted interruptions. Right, Red nodded. Um, you're Huckleberry. You know me, so I can skip my life story, and you can get right to telling me what you want. Is it not obvious? Pike asked, chuckling in an incongruously deep tone. I have been waiting such a long time to meet you, my brother. You cannot know what a thrill it is for me that we have finally come together, face to face. I simply have chills thinking of what our futures hold. Oh, fanboy, Red said, shifting uncomfortably. You know there are easier ways to get an autograph. He grimaced as he tested the shackles, and hissed as they delivered small, measured shocks to his wrists and ankles. Nice bling. You didn't have to give me presents, you know. Careful, Pike said. Those were a warning. The current ramps up the more you struggle, and really, I have waited far too long to speak with you for you to simply die. It would be an... An anticlimax. I know what the word means, Onan East. I have to wonder, though, where a redneck street punk from the South picked up so much German. Come now, Red, Pike said, looking very disappointed. You must have figured it out by now. Red shrugged. You hit me with an exploding semi and knocked me out with a taser. Forgive me if my brain is a bit scrambled. I feel like a brain-dead badger right now. And spare me the schadenfreude, okay? You're holding all the cards here. Hell, right now, you're even holding my hand. You obviously went to a lot of trouble to meet me to get me out here alone. You even got Black Snake to show. He shook his head. You got some connections there, kid. That was a case of misfortune, I admit, Pike said. I didn't anticipate Blacksnake's interest when I enlisted myself with those undescent reps. I speculated it was only a matter of time until an Echo recruiting party would make their way to this corner of Atlanta, right in their own backyard. No shit, Sherlock, Red muttered. 
Imagine my annoyance when Blacksnake arrived first. Imagine my delight when it was you, of all people, leading the charge to my rescue. You had no intention of letting Blacksnake take you, did you? Pike's smile vanished. If not for your fortuitous intervention, I would have slaughtered them all. What a waste of time that would have been. I would have had to start all over. The depraved and hungry smile returned. Ah, but the good universe in its wisdom stepped in. It does that, you know. It provides for those in need. Tell me what you want, Pike. Red repeated, making it clear that he was getting fed up with the runaround. Really, Red Genie, you have not figured it out. They are brothers, you and I. So you keep saying, Red replied. It was getting hard to hold still. He wasn't well balanced, and there were sharp edges sticking into him. But every time he moved even a little, he got warning shocks from the shackles. And the crap ton of dust in here was threatening to make him sneeze, which was going to make life uncomfortable as the shackles reacted. I'm really going to have to go through the trouble of tracking down my dad one of these days, get a fix on what other mongrel blood I'm sharing. Ugh, not by blood, Pike exclaimed in disgust. Truly, you must see our bond that transcends that, he sighed. Perhaps you are not as intelligent as I have observed you to be. And I was so sure. A shame. No matter. You will still give me what I desire. Something tells me it's not the autograph. Red wondered how long he could keep this maniac talking. Given the realization of your stupidity, your curiosity will not, I fear, be sated. I have much to do, and you will simply have to live without the knowledge of why exactly. You must die screaming. Well, that's just not going to cut it, Red snarled. I'm going to need a lot more if you're going to get anything from me. Have I not made it clear? When Plaubleach's fine hunter damantash luck, you really are an imbecile. I do not need for you to be feeling, Genie. I simply need for you to be breathing. On your feet, mine friend idiot. Let us not tempt the fates any more than we have to. Pike motioned for Red to stand, and was rewarded with a scornful look. Well, like my old Uncle Sparky used to say, pot kettle black, asshole. Red looked meaningfully down at his hands and feet. I try and stand up, and you're going to have to carry me, Haas. I do any more, and you might as well leave my carcass here as fertilizer. Oh, of course, Pike laughed. You will excuse my carelessness, I'm sure. I'm simply impatient, you see. Impatient to begin what promises to be a glorious future. I can decrease the output if you wish, just enough for you to move slowly. Or, I can, if you prefer, simply knock you out. My men can lay you on a litter and carry you out on their shoulders. Like the funeral of Siegfried. Fitting, don't you think? Just do it, 
Red said, slowly lifting his arms and presenting his wrist shackles to Pike. This place looks depressingly like Detroit on a bad day. If I'm going to have to listen to you, I want better scenery. Pike played with his chin for a moment, like a villain in a B-movie. Hmm. Make you walk and watch you dance while you do so, yet suffer delays while you thrash, or watch my subhuman flunkies struggle to carry you. Decisions, decisions. Red could feel Pike's glee, his hunger, fueling his need to taunt his prey. It wasn't enough that he had won. He reveled in his dominance, and his eyes bore into Red's, excavating madly for as much misery as he could find. Red returned the maniac's look with disdain. Oh, yeah, Red nodded. Look at you, big man. You got me all tied up, helpless, probably hoping I'll do a little begging right now, huh? Oh, would you? Pike asked, his grin spreading even wider. That would be so thoughtful. Please, please, Red obliged, rolling his eyes. I've got so much to live for. I've got kids, probably. I never learned to knit, and winter's coming. My DVR is full of communities I haven't watched yet, and I'll be damned if I miss another Inspector Spacetime clip. And I still haven't. Stop. Pike interrupted, his eyes narrowing, his smile fading away. You're Starlink. Why are you Starlink? Punch it, Fix! Red shouted, and with a brilliant flash of light, the shackles fell from his wrists and ankles. She heard voices, but not close enough to make out what they were saying. Okay, screaming is going to get me nowhere, and someone might have meta-hearing and pick up on me screaming into his ear. She settled for a jittery. Red? 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 Say something. Red? Say something. Repeated ad infinitum, but with pauses for him to, well, actually respond. She froze when she finally heard a clear voice. It wasn't Red's, but a young man. Pike. Only, it had a faint accent that sure as hell wasn't Southern. It wasn't just the accent. Pike spoke with confidence, a smarmy drawl that drifted back and forth between disdain and respect. And German. She definitely heard German in there. She watched as one of Red's communicators went offline, the standard issue one from Echo. Pike, it seemed, did not want anyone listening in or pinpointing Red's location. He obviously didn't know about the secret Overwatch communicator or the throat mic, both buried under Red's skin, since his arrogant voice was still coming in loud and clear. When Red did speak, it wasn't to her. Right. I'm your Huckleberry. You know me, so I can skip my life story and you can get right to telling me what you want. They'd worked out a code a couple runs ago, half in jest, half in earnest. You know... I'm a writer, and if I was writing this, it'd be about time for a kidnapping scene. He laughed, but they both agreed that there was some justifiable paranoia here. Huckleberry meant he was starting code speak, and Life Story told her he was captured, a hostage, or both. Roger Capture, she breathed, running VR program to see if I can ID anyone. She had a great voice recognition program. It worked on accents and speech patterns, too. I-ID Kriegers, obviously. What's your status? 
She listened carefully for the next code words while her programs ran, and was rewarded with the heavy crackle of feedback. She winced as the crackling subsided, and held her breath as Red spoke again. Nice bling. You didn't have to give me presents, you know. Restraints, and given they knew it was the genie, probably shackles and cuffs. But what kind? If he could pick them, all she needed to do was make a distraction. It was his captor, not Red, who gave her the answer. His taunting told her, after a few moments of racing thought, that they were some fancy high-tech and they could kill him, possibly with shocks. That would explain the feedback. English was not sufficient for her response to that. Could you fasa? she swore. She was reasonably certain Red did not know Hungarian. Okay, okay, give me a minute. I'll figure out if I can do something about your bracelets. I feel like a brain-dead badger right now. And spare me the schadenfreude, okay? You're holding all the cards here. The badger reference. Code red in genie speak. At least five Thulians, they'd agreed to use poker talk for counting things. Then, when he said that his captor had both hands, that was ten, and... Vicky felt a shock of panic. Schadenfreude. But that was Echo's code name for... The answer came to her, a mere second before her voice recognition program flashed the name up on her monitor. Good God! Vicky screamed. It's Doppelganger! No shit, Sherlock, Red muttered. Not good. So not good. Vicky swore and slammed Bull's panic button. Hopefully he was wearing his overwatch ear. Not a good time to get Bella on this, and Vicky needed a tactical brain. Bull would get a steady alarm on his Overwatch freak until he answered her. And in the meantime, what? Red was being held by Doppelganger. He was helpless against a man that, by all accounts, was the most sadistic Krieger they had come up against to date. What could she do? What could she— Red, she shouted. Keep him talking. I've called for backup. Well, that's just not going to cut it. Red answered. Vicky frowned. Was he talking to her or to Doppelganger? Her mind raced with possibilities. She didn't have time for anything fancy, time or accuracy. No cam, no good way to read what was on him or around him, only the crude location and what he was feeding to her via the headset. Damn him and his refusal to go fully wired. It wasn't as if he couldn't just hide a button cam and grow some skin over it. All she would need would be a pinhole. Concentrate, bitch. There's not a lot I can do at this range and shooting blind red, she said, trying to keep the panic out of her voice. I can't do the tech magic. It'll all have to be witchery and geomancy. That's not exactly needle surgery we're talking about. Nevertheless, she sketched in diagrams over his spot on the map, laying in prep work she hoped she wouldn't have to use. It's like hitting bugs with the Oxford unabridged, and I don't want you to be the bug. Her heart raced and her mouth was dry. Her heart sank as she heard Doppelganger mention transports. They were running out of time. Well, like my old Uncle Sparky used to say. Sparky? He can't be serious. She was a technomage, yes, but for the gods' sake, that required finesse and a lot of data. This situation was absolutely blind and... Have you lost your mind? she demanded, leaping to her feet. What's electrocuting you going to do other than leave you helpless and fried? 
Just do it, she heard Red say defiantly. This place looks depressingly like Detroit on a bad day. If I'm going to have to listen to you, I want better scenery. Detroit. He wanted her to fry his cuffs. She'd read about how he had goaded that electric-powered meta into an uncontrolled surge to fry off his monitoring bracelet. Great. Just great. Who does he think I am, David Copperfield? It would be one thing if she could at least see what the damn things were, but she was operating completely in the dark and under time pressure. And there was only one way to do it. The nasty, dirty, primitive, and ugly way, which was inherently the dangerous way. She began to draw the crudest, clumsiest diagrams and equations she'd done since her high school days, no, earlier, and berated the genie while she did it. Right, shit for brains, have it your way. I am going to try to spring the cuffs, but I don't know what they are, so I have to do this the old-fashioned way, which means fry the tech. All I have is that piece of your claw, so I have to use you as a channel, but I can't risk hurting you, so... Sodden up, I'm fern. This is going to have to be... Keep it salt medieval. I hate medieval magic. Hate, hate, hate. This was horrid stuff, worse than hitting bugs with books. This was going after a gnat with a sledgehammer, and Red had to be just outside of where the sledgehammer came down. Reverse law of unity, with the piece of claw as the target. Magic to be confined to what once belonged to this. Fry if you are not part of what this was part of. Like nested Venn diagrams. So many ways to go wrong, so little time to set it up, so much at stake. Was Bull going to answer? Who to call next if he didn't? Inside Echo and Chance blowing the Overwatch program to Verd? Corby? The Samoans? Medieval was as good as it was going to get. Okay, Red, we are a go, but I don't like this. I'm having to sacrifice your Overwatch gear along with the cuffs. I kind of have you protected, but I could still fry you. My odds are... She glanced at her prognosticator and blanched. About fifty-fifty. I can trip this if I have to, but there has to be a better... Punch it, Vix! She punched it, unleashing Mother Earth's own electricity into him in a terrible surge. The spell, massive and unwieldy, fed off her own energy. Vicky gasped as everything literally drained out of her, and the world went black. She woke up. A frantic glimpse at the time on one of the monitors told her she'd passed out for maybe thirty seconds. Another check showed her, as she expected, that all of the genie's reeds were as dead as last year's leaves. Whatever was going on now... I just hope the Kriegers near him got a dose of that, too. Feeling as if someone had been beating her with bags of sand, she punched back into Bull's overwatch freak, interrupting the alarm. Bulwark, Bulwark, this is an emergency. If I can't raise him, it'll have to be Bella. She's the only one I can think of that knows who I should try for next. Then what? Go out on her own? Bad idea. She couldn't call anyone from out there. Operative Bulwark, this is a code-screaming freaking red emergency! Bulwark here. Bull's voice rumbled in her headset. Apologies, Miss Victrix. I was in the shower. Bull, the genie's in trouble, as in Asteep and Alligators and Pterodactyls descending trouble. He's at grid 32, TAC 101, TAC 12, in that East Atlanta desk. Roger that, Overwatch. I will dispatch a squad to his location immediately. She felt her mouth falling open with astonishment. Are you even listening to me? Your freaking squad is going to get squashed like bugs on a semi, assuming Verd even lets them go without intercepting them. 
It's Doppelganger and at least ten Kriegers, and they're trying to take him alive. I'm LOS on him, on Echo, and Overwatch both. I had to... Doppelganger? Bull sounded confused. What would Doppelganger want with Regini? Will you stop asking questions and move already? She shrilled, unable to keep her voice from spiraling up. I'm calling Bella. If you won't move your bloody broad ass, maybe pride will. Her hands were flying over the keyboard. She knew she could use text to speak to Bella, Ramona, and Yankee Pride. Then I... Victrix, cease and desist, Bulwark said. You're about to cause an enormous uproar, and you know certain parties would have to be deaf and dumb not to overhear it. You're not the boss of me, she shouted back. Bella and Pride are. Stop and think, woman. If you start blaring an emergency on all your frequencies, you run the risk of compromising our network. God damn it, Jarhead, it's red! She choked on the last word. Breathe, Victrix. Don't go rushing into this. You know it's a mistake. You're too good not to. Get your head back in the game. Keep your heart out of it. At least until the crisis is over. While you're blathering, they're taking him! Keep your heart out of it, he had said. He knew. He knew how she felt about Red, but she didn't care. Fuck this. If you won't let me call anyone, I'm going to. Somehow, how the hell was she? At port, I can apport the closest pad and... something. All she knew was she couldn't let Doppelganger take him. Not after what she'd been listening to. I'm going after him. Nobody gives a shit about me, she said bitterly without even thinking about it. I'm expendable. And then, Bulwark was shouting at her. She had never heard him raise his voice any more than he needed to, and certainly with nothing even approaching anger. It was like a verbal slap in the face, and though he was miles away, she felt herself flinch away from her keyboard, as if he could somehow reach right through her monitor and shake some sense into her. Will you stop acting like a scared, lovesick teenager and think before you leap? Whatever he intended, the effect was to make her freeze, scarcely even able to breathe with the hammer blow of panic and fear that hit her. All that came out of her mouth was a strangled sob as tears leaked down her face. Now, listen, he said, resuming his usual rumble. You will not fix the situation by performing some ridiculous kamikaze charge. You need a plan. A plan that does not compromise Overwatch, that does not compromise you. We do not have the time to assemble our covert operatives. You will have to come up with something right now that will work with the limited resources you have. And when this is over, you and I are going to have a long talk about your incredibly pointless lack of self-worth. It's shameful and counterproductive. Please, she whispered. We have to go. Now, he knows all about Overwatch, and, and, if they... Why was he stalling on this? Hell, give him a more urgent asset to safeguard if he thought she was worth so much. If you won't save him, then save me. They'll red-light me as soon as they know I exist, and it'll be game over. Go and do what? Bull asked. What is your plan? Vicky cringed. What did they have? She took a breath and fought to control her fear. They didn't have access to Echo personnel, not without endangering all they had worked for. They didn't have firepower, not unless the Seraphim suddenly decided to show up. Not likely. 
The big thing was those ten armored Kriegers. Doppelganger by himself wasn't so bad. Only fire made the outside of those things brittle, but where would she find a force large enough to break? Plan. Got one, she said, and briefly filled him in. But unless you're there, nobody's getting out alive. That's a risky bit of business, Bull said. I can think of a hundred things that can go wrong with. Bull! Vicky shouted. What was wrong with him? This was Red, a member of his own team. What was possibly going through this man's head to make him hesitate? I am going! Are you coming or not? He didn't answer, not right away. She strained to listen, gritting her teeth, the beads of sweat falling down her face, while his rhythmic breathing betrayed his indecision. Red cringed as sparks flew from the shackles, and he winced as mild shocks erupted from his throat and right ear. The shackles fell away as he clutched at his head. Vix had done it, she had freed him, but the surge had also overloaded his overwatch communications tech. He was quite alone now, alone with... Pike gripped Red by the neck, but he wasn't Pike anymore. He had discarded his disguise, and Red flailed helplessly as the man known only as Doppelganger lifted him high above the ground. Red gagged as he fought to release himself from Doppelganger's chokehold. He groped at the huge fingers which held him like a vice, to no avail. Christ, this guy's strong. Very clever, Schweinhund, Doppelganger growled. Who was your co-conspirator? This Vix? Of course, that would be Victoria Victrix, the witch. I shall have to say she is rewarded for her diligence. Perhaps I shall send her one of your fingers. Is she nearby, Jeannie? Are you still in contact with her? Through her accursed magic, perhaps? I can only assume so. So much for the pleasantries. We will have to move quickly, then. Doppelganger tightened his grip with one hand, freeing the other to swat away Red's desperate swings. Red's eyes widened in panic as he took in the Krieger's massive build. He had read Doppelganger's file, and nowhere did it mention him being a giant. In fact, he was reported to be of average weight, average height, with slim, if toned, muscle mass. And he had been, just moments before, beneath the meek and naive façade of Pike. Now he was easily eight feet tall with a powerful build, and each of his hands looked big enough to encase Red's entire head. Of course, Red's own file was fairly scant. He had kept much of himself secret. Doppelganger was much the same, surviving by stealth, by hoarding secrets. He was a shapeshifter, a chameleon, and it made perfect sense that someone who could alter their appearance at will could bulk up to a muscle-bound powerhouse when needed. Except for Red, of course. At that moment, the ability to morph one's skin seemed like a very insignificant thing. He considered just how much power Doppelganger must possess, how much he had kept under wraps, just for moments like these when necessity called for more than just guile. Red would have done the same, and he still hadn't seen it coming. Maybe he needed a touch more of Vix's paranoia. She seemed to plan for everything to go wrong, where he pretty much made it up as he went along. Still, he had always considered the ability to improvise as one of his strengths. Say good night, brother, Doppelganger said, and reared back to deliver a knockout blow. Then you wake. We will have much to discuss, you might even say. The giant stopped, cried out in surprise, and released the genie with a start, his hand flying back in pain. Red collapsed to the ground and quickly rolled away. 
As Red came to his feet, his tattered scarf fell away to reveal his face of the day, a dapper rendition of Daniel Day-Lewis, and beneath that, a forest of needle-sharp spikes protruding from his neck. Doppelganger glanced at his hand, which was starting to ooze blood from a multitude of tiny pinpricks. Yes, very clever, Doppelganger sighed. It seems we will have more to discuss than I previously thought. You play the fool so well. Another act, it would seem. Another layer to peel back and discover what delights you hide beneath. What, you think I'm an onion? Red said, stalling. Careful. I might make you cry like the little bitch you are. Ah, the name-calling portion of the entertainment, Doppelganger said. Really, genie. There will be time enough for that later. As I said, we have to move quickly. It didn't take Red long to size up the situation. He was hopelessly outmatched here. Even if he could somehow outmaneuver and outrun Doppelganger, he had an entire squad of death troops to get past. It didn't look good. He had grossly underestimated what Doppelganger was capable of. Having Vix free him of his restraints had been his Hail Mary pass, and it had backfired. On his feet, able to fight, he was now a threat, one that Doppelganger and his group of armored goons were forced to deal with violently. If he had only waited, Vix would at least have been able to track them. Instead, he had opted to force their hand, and worse, Vicky's surge had destroyed any simple means she had of locating him. His only hope now was to fight, to last long enough for Vicky to come to his rescue. She's never going to let me forget this one, is she? One of the metal-clad Kriegers raised his energy cannon and aimed it at Red's heart. Nine! Doppelganger barked. Herr Nostrata, Idreton, thanks to Ekprakan and Lieben zu blieben. Stehen im Kreis und im Herren, in Südbeschraken und in Wert in Kontrollen. At Doppelganger's command, the Kriegers backed away, their cannons at the ready. Red considered his options as his adversary advanced on him. There weren't many. He had his back to a wall in an otherwise open area of the old factory floor. No cover to speak of, no handholds on the wall, nothing to get him to higher ground. All that marked his immediate surroundings were dirt, a few structural supports holding up a high ceiling, and the smug bastard that was casually strolling toward him. Maybe his newfound bulk will slow him down. Red waited until Doppelganger crossed an invisible threshold, close enough to distract him with a quick feint to his left. He followed with a sudden reversal and dove right, rolling with a nimble tuck and tumble to weave past his foe. He felt Doppelganger's knee slam into his stomach, and he was driven back against the wall. Red saw stars as he lurched to his feet. Nope. He's as quick as ever. Red yelped as he ducked Doppelganger's punch, a solid blow which pounded into the concrete, raining dust and rubble onto the genie's head. And still, strong as an ox. Desperate, Red landed a palm strike against Doppelganger's midsection and was rewarded with a grunt of pain. He attempted another tumble, but was caught by the scruff of his neck and slammed face first into the wall. I would advise you to stop resisting, Doppelganger said as he brought Red's limp form back and slammed him against the wall again for good measure. Red remained still, but groaned, still conscious. Doppelganger shook his head in impatience and turned back to his troops. What is our ETA? One of the death troops answered in German, an eerie and low metallic-sounding noise, accompanied by heavy breathing. 
ten minutes? Doppelganger barked. Did the transport get caught in traffic? Unglaublich. It would seem I have much to attend to on our return. He turned back to Red. Yours will not be the only blood spilt this day, it would seem. You're damn skippy, Red shouted, his head snapping up, and drove a newly clawed hand into Doppelganger's stomach. He felt his own stomach threaten to heave as his hand tasted the cesspool of Doppelganger's guts. Oh, Christ, is that head cheese? With a roar, Doppelganger brought a fist down, shattering Red's claws, and hurled Red to the side. Red tumbled away and collided with a nearby support column. He heard the concrete support, already weathered and crumbling, crack from the impact. He was showered with more debris as the ceiling groaned and shifted under the strain. Short of breath, eyes tearing from the pain, he got his arms under him and managed to push himself up on his elbows. He glanced up at Doppelganger and witnessed a truly terrifying sight. The giant stood at attention, his face contorted in a grimace of pain, his belly now bleeding profusely from the five jagged claws embedded in his gut. His breathing slowed to a measured beat, and Red watched in horror as the claws were slowly engulfed by the big man. They simply slid into him. The wounds began to eat the claws, making wet, slurping noises as they sucked the razor-sharp shards in. After a moment, the wounds healed, the bleeding stopped. Doppelganger looked down at his hand, concentrated, and in moments the pinpricks from Red's neck spikes were gone. Relief spread over Doppelganger's face, and he smiled down at Red. Rapid healing, he sighed. That is a most useful talent you possess, Air Genie. Red shuddered and collapsed. He was beaten. This has been Revolutions, Season 6 of The Secret World Chronicle. The Secret World Chronicle is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer, with music by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Find us at www.secretworldchronicle.com, like us on Facebook, and circle us on Google+. And as always, thank you for listening.